Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome into an exciting edition, a UT extravaganza edition of the Coaching Chatter Podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. Joining me, as always, Kurt Page and Craig Ladd. How you guys doing? Doing great. Just uh, looking forward to talking about UT football and uh, trying to get the Coaching Chatter up and running. Oh, yeah. Craig, how's it going over there in uh, in the Bahamas? Uh, I, 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 this, this background makes me forget everything that I – saw about my alma mater yesterday yes i see you're wearing preds and belmont gear today so uh, but yeah we're going to get into that uh later on in the show we welcome uh josh fisher from the charity strike podcast and uh, he's one of the uh, lead producers for the believe network he's one of the guys that onboarded me uh, initially and onboarded uh, our show here with the coaching chatter as well uh, so we have him on later on in the show to talk about the other ut or as i like to, to poke craig the real ut um, and, and their hire of, of Steve Sarkeesian and, and actually probably going to uh, get his opinion uh, since he's a big Patriots fan, uh, get his opinion on some of the NFL stuff going on uh, as well, especially within his division with the Bills, you know, reigning the division and the Jets making their new hire and, and seeing what they got. So, um, again, uh, UT extravaganza, guys. Uh, breaking news yesterday. Uh, we, you know, I, I was I was going to try to figure out what we were going to talk about today. Um, it was probably going to be a little bit of a stretch, but thanks to our fine folks at UT uh, over there in Knoxville, they provided us a whole show's worth of stuff. So uh, if you're listening to this and you've been watching Netflix and not really paying attention to sports news, um, I will tell you guys that uh, Jeremy Pruitt plus nine other football staffers, assistant coaches and off the field people have been relieved of their duties for cause, which means no buyouts. Uh, Philip Fulmer will, I use air quotes, retire uh, from the post of athletic director, and they will move in a new direction. And they're going to completely knock things down. Uh, the NCAA is got, about to get their mitts on uh, on this investigation, and, and so you're going to see probably some major sanctions coming down uh, to Knoxville. Probably going to get uh, a couple assistants slapped with show cause, especially Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, so, guys... Craig, since you are the uh, since you are the Tennessee alum of the group, I, I would like to I would like to get your thoughts on this entire situation. Well, you know, the first thing that I think of is uh, embarrassing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first thing that I think of. Similar to the way I felt when it came down that Bruce, it was proven that Bruce Pearl lied to the NCAA, tried to get his assistant to cover up for him. Embarrassment. Uh, and then obviously this is embarrassing. We don't know when, when level one and level two, obviously the level one is coming out of the mouth of your chancellor. It's not good. So you're looking at a, a reduction 
of scholarships. You're looking at a reduction of visits. You're looking at uh, postseason bans, uh, multiple years. I think that's in the offing. And and you know, to be quite frank, there's more. There could be absolutely more. They're not done with the investigation. The NCAA is now involved in it. And at this point, you don't know what they're going to uncover. Um, you know, the, the fact that you lose um, a total of, of 10 in this is pretty incredible. Uh, not only uh, the offensive line, uh, excuse me, outside linebacker coach uh, Shelton Felton, uh, inside linebacker coach uh, Brian Niedemeyer, uh, but you also lose your entire recruiting staff. The entire staff, a staff of four, all of them terminated. Uh, that, to me, is pretty incredible. Uh, we all talked about the fact that the Kevin Steele being hired, what that meant, and obviously we were right. Uh, they, he's been named the interim head coach. I, I think, you know, during the, during the, during the press conference, uh, former was asked if, if – uh, Kevin Steele knew that he was going to be the interim coach and this was going to go down, and he said no. I find that hard to believe. I really do. I think he had some sort of uh, a tip off. Some. I think he's told something. I just don't see him coming. They may have said, "Look, we're going to. This is going to go down. We're going to give you a really legitimate shot." Even though he he was pretty much one of the one of the top three when uh, Pruitt was hired. So. I found that hard to believe. Also, you know, looking at Fulmer, I watched the press conference. Fulmer looked very, very uncomfortable. He looked extremely uncomfortable at that. Uh, He looked tired and very uncomfortable. Uh, You know, he was asked by the media about Jeremy Pruitt, some of the stuff he did good. He mentioned recruiting, and I'm I'm shaking my head. Like, well, obviously, you know, you're saying the recruiting was good and, and your entire recruiting staff is getting fired because of what has happened uh, after they're all being terminated for cause. So it was an odd, odd press conference. It really was. Yeah, the chancellor calling him out. You have uh, Phil Fulmer sitting up there probably sweating going, oh, my God, this is a disaster. You know, and, and so it, it's just <laughs> – just you shake your head and you wonder anybody you know in on some of these recruits if they're gonna you know be looked at like the the georgias and the floridas and the alabamas and the old misses of the world are they going to be looked at in this whole scenario but kurt what you know what what were your first thoughts when you saw this unfolding are you surprised i mean it's been kind of it's like a it's like two speeding trains have been on a collision course for the last month uh, with this whole situation they finally collided yesterday are you are you shocked at any of this well, just I'm not shocked at the at the results. Of what happened? It's just the timing. Uh, it just kept prolonging, prolonging, prolonging. And uh, we all know it's all about the the Benjamins. It's all about the money. And once we they uncovered the right stone and got the right information, they don't have to pay Jeremy Pruitt, you know, to over ten million dollars. And so that was what it was all. Uh, and they had to set it up the correct way. It was for cause and not for on-field play, coaching, which we at Coaching Chatter made comments throughout the the uh, fall that it was uh, they were a poorly run organization on the field. We didn't in the back room and in the offices and the recruiting how poorly they were run. But uh, 
it's disappointing for University of Tennessee as being a native Tennessean to see them do this, see them do this under Philip Fulmer's watch. Do I think this is going to tarnish him slightly? You know, there'll be a little asterisk. You know, he was part of this. But at the end of the day, um, you know, it's just disappointing that it happened, the timing of I wish I kind of wish Tennessee would have just manned up about a month ago as other programs have done this. Auburn manned up. Vanderbilt, my own mind, they manned up. So we don't have the right guy. And before it got uh, dangerously, uh, you know, the chancellor, uh, you know, you're cutting off your nose in spite of your face, you know. That's her yeah. university, and I get it that uh, she's trying to provide leadership. But where was she a month or two ago when the play on the field was really, you know, uh, it was all dysfunctional. We saw how they handled the quarterback position. We saw how they handled uh, play calling. We saw how they handled players. I mean, just man up, you know, but this is the way they, they decided to go about it uh, so they have no show, so they, they, you know, no cause, so they don't have to, you know, show the Benjamins to Jeremy Pruitt. But I'm sure he's going to step up and uh, he'll probably countersue or sue the university. And so it'll be – this will go on and on and on and on. So – um, it's going to really deter, uh, you know, and Craig mentioned earlier about the earlier incident in basketball. It took them years to come out from that, you know. And finally they got a guy in there. And I guess the last two seasons, Craig, would you agree, they finally have rebounded. And it, that was a number of years ago. So it'll set you back three to five years, hopefully not seven. So it's definitely going to set them back three years, probably five, and I hope not seven Whenever you see NCAA come in and they – and then they'll take their self-imposed. They, you know, they'll reduce their scholarships, you know, turn down a bowl bid like they might get one next year, you know, kind of like LSU. You know, LSU just manned up this year, said, we're, you know, we're going to turn down a bowl bid, you know, and uh, they <laughs> reduce their scholarships. And now you know, they're on with it, you know. Yeah. And LSU's basketball program, they have a number of NCAA and they kind of stepped aside and – you know, they have just, federal probes on yeah, Will Wade. They keep on rocking. And so I just was really surprised on how, you know, you know, we're in the SEC. I think you just man up and say, hey, he ain't getting it done on the field. And let's fire him. Let's, they got the boosters. They got the people. But when you try to go maybe the cheap way and really try to get out and, you know, it's kind of like a – it's just weird. That, that's the weird part. I just want to say they manned up. I respect Auburn. I respect Vanderbilt. And I'm not saying they had to man up because they had violations, but I'm just saying I, li- I like people to man up for what we see as a public, and uh, and we know we know what good looks like from Coach Chatter. And yeah. I wish they'd done that about a month ago. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and the fact that he fired his defensive line coach on the field um, shows me that the pressure of you know was getting to him. You know, there was not only the pressure of the the rigors and 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 the demands of coaching at the University of Tennessee, but, you know, there was something happening behind the scenes, and we didn't realize it until, you know, a month later when they said, okay, here's what's happening at Tennessee. They're under investigation. The NCAA's poking around. Uh, so, you know, that that might have affected what Jeremy Pruitt was able to do coaching-wise on, on, the, on the field because he was sitting there. He was feeling the pressure. He was probably lashing out at people. He obviously fired his defensive line coach on the field, which no good leader does that. Um, so Kurt, I, I mean, I, I know it's a mess, uh, but we, you know, if, if you really look back at his demeanor, you could see the warning signs. 
Absolutely. And, and the big thing about firing a defensive line coach, a staff member, we don't know because it's protected, but there had to be a whistleblower. Yeah. So I don't know who, who that was, but somebody in there told them everything, told them where, behind every door what they would find, behind every stone. Probably that guy. And Probably that guy. Might have been. I don't know. But I'll say this, you know, you have to, as a leader, and, 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 and you know, you've got to be able to really assess the people. Uh-oh. Tennessee Mafia is after him now. Yes. <laughs> I cut him off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dang, Craig, that was ruthless. Oh, well, you know, that's what we do here. If we don't like what you're talking about, we get rid of you. <laughs> yeah, we, we, uh, you're the Tony Reality of the group. You just have the, the mute button. Um, that's right. So if, if you could, I, I wish you guys could see this. Kurt is frozen on like, the, he has the most like despaired look on his face right now. <laughs> like it, it fits what just happened because he just froze mid-sentence. But um, I, I think what he was trying to say is you have to really assess who you bring in um, as your staff members because ultimately it reflects on you, Craig. And, and you know, if you got recruiting staff people that are carrying the bag for you, which they were probably honestly scapegoated, but then again, they knew what was going on so and they, and they didn't say anything. So, yeah, obviously you're going to fire those people, and rightfully so. Um, but the real – uh, the just the real mess of the whole thing is, is just, you know, the the people from above probably from Fulmer, who I don't think Fulmer's clean in this whole situation. That's why he looked uncomfortable yesterday. He appears clean, but he seemed to have like washed his hands of it somehow. He probably made some deal behind the scenes. We talked a little bit about it uh, on the last show that that he's got a little bit of a uh, snakiness to him. So, um, we welcome back Kurt. Uh, from uh, the, the Auburn Mafia has given you a break now because, you know, we've said a few good things about them. Now the people from Knoxville are coming down and cutting your internet, man. What's uh, So w- w- what was your thought? I, I kind of I predicted and said that uh, you really have to evaluate who you bring on board. Is that Was that the direction you were going? Yes, I think, I think that's the big thing, just evaluate who you bring on board. I think um, it's just going to be interesting to see who who can who can come in there? Uh, you really can't have anybody that has any any inkling of NCAA. So Hugh Freeze would be definitely out. Uh, you've got to bring in a guy. I mean, a great a great guy that auditioned for this already and already been through this is Bill O'Brien. Yeah, I was about to bring his name up. I mean, when yeah, Penn he, State got hammered, yes, uh, he he kind of he kind of set the table for James Franklin. And there's a uh, on YouTube, I think if you really want to see what he what he was like at Penn State, there is a We Are Penn State like docu series. I think that that follows uh, Penn State and, and kind of what what they did, uh, and it's a really good insight into how Bill O'Brien navigated this whole uh, Penn State situation. Because you want to talk about a job that was really tough for for someone to take, it was that one right there. Um, you know, you're coming off of the Jerry Sandusky debacle um, where that might be the, the, the worst thing to ever happen to a college football program is knowing that uh, you're holding these camps and, and somebody you, you trust. It would have been like if, uh, if we found out that Steve Sarkeesian was touching kids in the shower, that like that kind of impact uh, and that kind of relationship between Joe Paterno and Jerry Sandusky was kind of like, Hey, you're my right hand guy. And, 
you know, I want to protect you. And, and then there, there, there happened to be all this cover up and it was a nightmare situation. People wanted Penn State to get the death penalty. They didn't, but they got hammered. Bill O'Brien came in and, and made every, not made everybody forget about it, but just made everybody say, okay, it's going to be okay. All the, all the people that are involved are gone. Let's not hammer the kids that are there now. Let's not hammer these new people that are trying to resurrect the university's reputation. We'll never forget that. All right? And we'll always blame and always have a black eye. But Bill O'Brien got Penn State back to respectability and set the table for James Franklin. So maybe he does that in Knoxville. I don't know. He's available. Yeah, one one thing to think about, and I know I'll let Craig jump in there next, but the – one thing to think about with Tennessee with this NCAA comparing it to Penn State, uh, not that we don't know how severe, if it's death penalty worthy, but I don't think like, so. yeah, I don't think so either. But it looks like with the new uh, recruiting and the new transfer, I guess any kid at Tennessee by going into this, going in this next season between now and the season start, I guess any Tennessee kid can leave. Under the old rules, it was the case. Yeah. yeah. Right, Craig? Yes, that's correct. Uh, and you're also going to, you know, these uh, these uh, youngsters that have signed, just, you know, signed their national letter of intent back in December, you know, there's going to be several of them that uh, end up uh, uh, challenging and trying to get out of that. One, already their top recruit uh, in this cycle, Dylan Brooks, a top 50 player out of Alabama, there's already a lot of rumors that he's going to be – he's going to get out of his national letter uh, of intent that he signed and go somewhere else. Yeah, man, I, th- I, I think that's a really good – a really good reference because all of a sudden uh, Tennessee – you know, I, I want to – the first thing that pops in my head is the recruiting. But i tell you this, if they will just uh, hurry up and get an AD, doesn't have to have UT ties – but get an AD that's a strong AD and can be – that has sat in that chair or sitting in that present chair right now and be an AD and then name their coach and commit to a coach. I don't know who – I don't know who he would like or she would like, but commit and then go and get the players that want to be at University of Tennessee. That's what Bill O'Brien did. He, he let the guys – he had to re-recruit the guys on campus – I remember like it was yesterday because James Franklin, uh, I've, I've watched a lot of shows that Corey's talked about, and he had to re-recruit those guys, and the guys that didn't want to be in there with Penn State, he he signed them off and they were gone. But he went and got guys in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania and Tennessee are very similar to states. There's not a, a whole lot of great players in both those states, but they neighbor, they neighbor states, like they neighbor Ohio. Pennsylvania makes a living in Ohio. Tennessee makes an, a living in Alabama, into you know neighboring states. Because Tennessee does take Carolinas, Georgia, and Alabama. It's only say it touches seven states. So I think you go get guys that want to be a Tennessee ball. Maybe they're two or three star, and then you get a guy there that can develop those kids and build some continuity within playing for the Big Orange. And I think that's what that's what they got to get back to. And uh, and I think hopefully that's that's the direction they'll go. What do you think about that, Craig? Well, I think that they're going to hire uh, an AD pretty quickly. Uh, I think that's going to happen probably in the next – just my opinion, I think it will happen within the next two weeks. Uh, two, two of the big names that are popping up are East Carolina's John Gilbert and UAB's Mark Ingram. Gilbert, 
I was associate AD at UT uh, under former AD Dave Clark. Um, you know, his son is a freshman walk-on for the University of Tennessee basketball team. Uh, so there's some ties there. Uh, he's highly regarded. And another guy, is, as I said, is UAB's Mark Ingram. I mean, he's done an outstanding job at UAB. Think about UAB. They disbanded the football program, and look where they are now. He made the pick to get Bill Clark, who has been an incredible hire for them. He also played football at UT, worked in the athletic department for five years. So, to me, those two are probably the top two candidates. There's been some rumors out there already that, that uh, Gilbert has been contacted. Uh, he was contacted yesterday, not long after all this went down. So we'll see. I, I really think it's going to be a quick, quick hire of an uh, AD. You know, if it's Ingram, does he bring his guy Bill Clark with him? That's going to be interesting to see uh, who the hire is going to be and whether or not that hire of the AD will bring his coach with him. Or talk about Bill Clark and the UAB. You studied that program. You, you're, you know, you knew what they went through. You knew they closed it down. Where they are now. Yeah. What a great transition to the University of Tennessee. And they played UT uh, two years ago. Yeah, I mean they they develop. I mean they just put an emphasis on. Hey, we know we're UAB. I mean to get a three star UAB would have been an accomplishment even before they shut down. Uh, but now when they shut down, it's okay. We, I mean, we got to really go back to the high school method of we're going to get who we get and we're going to develop the hell out of them. And we're just going to develop, develop, develop. We're going to make them believe that they're five stars. We're going to, we're going to do a typical scheme type stuff. We're going to just pour into these kids and commit to these kids. And they, he's done that so far, and he's held to his word because he, he was rumored for a bunch of openings, uh, most notably the Auburn opening, and he said no thanks to all of them. Um, and so those kids now, if they didn't buy into his word before, they didn't buy into his word now. And they're starting to now get three stars. So it's going to be, when you're coming back from something like that, which I, I don't think Tennessee's going to be coming back from a situation as dire as, as UAB's was, uh, where they literally lost an entire program, so they had to start from scratch. Uh, SMU had to start from scratch. It took them like 25 years to even get a, a relevant program back. What they, I mean, they had nothing. Penn State had people. Uh, they just weren't the four- and five-stars that they were getting, um, you know, and at certain positions. But, you know, you, you bring in a guy like Bill O'Brien who, you know, like I said, he set the table. He did. He did a lot of the – Let's let's just try to patch the ship up uh, to, uh, to 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 figure this thing out, and he eventually figured it out. They had some they had some success, and I, I think with Tennessee fans administration, they have to redefine their success. Right at UAB, success wasn't in the first year making it to a bowl game. The success was getting your numbers up and playing competitive football, and then work up from there. Now now let's now let's try to get now let's try to get the five hundred. Okay, in year three, now let's try to make a bowl. And then they went out and won the conference, I think, in, in year three, actually. And they went to the Bahamas Bowl. Um, I remember that. That was I mean, that was insane. And they won the conference this year. So, I mean, they've built themselves into a viable Conference USA program. For Tennessee, it's probably not going to be as bad as either of those two situations, right? Um, what this administration has done has demolished the car because of a flat tire, Right. So if you can be quick and decisive on who you hire at both AD and head coach, 
you have a chance to salvage a lot of these parts and rebuild the car quickly. But for what Tennessee fans have to realize is we just want to be competitive next year, we want to be clean next year, and we want to show improvement. Okay, because it's going to be a rough ride this first year. Tennessee fans know that. And Tennessee fans are, I mean, any SEC fans really are notorious for having like expectations like way like up here, you know, unrealistic. Um, so you got to be realistic about the situation. You got to be realistic about who you get. And it's tough to kind of figure out, like, depending on who you get. If you get Bill O'Brien, you know, he's done this before. So, you know, you're going to rest a little bit easier. Still, you got to define the level of success, but he knows how to reach that level of success. Or, or do you go get Bill Clark? Would Bill Clark be willing to jump from a Conference USA championship team to a mess? A mess not only <laughs> not only in the football building, a mess at the AD, and a mess on up at the, the chancellor's office where, I, I don't know, it, it's, it's, there's a lot of situations here, Kurt, and I hope I answered your question. I don't know if I did you or not. You did a great job with it. One thing I'd just like to bounce back to is when they hired Philip Fulmer, when they hired Barry Pruitt, when they awesome. they were they were when all this happened, they, it was distress. It was the most uh, debacle recruiting of a head coach, maybe in my life for sure in my lifetime. I was going to say forever, where they went after this guy and he didn't want this guy. And you know they didn't know who they didn't know where the AD was. They found the AD and brought him back and fired him. So really, for the chancellor, and I said earlier, cut you know cut off your nose, spite your face. They cut off a big part of their nose. They probably cut off some ears too, but they're blowing the whole thing up now. So everybody in there that was part of all that, they're part of that old, they'll, they'll, they're going to go. And then I think, Craig, the guys you mentioned, I mean, I would, I would, I know how to, I, I can get them to Birmingham and I can get them the other AD wherever he's at. And I would just get them there right now and get them in the office and say, this is what we need. This is what we want. And uh, they're Tennessee. They've they've been. They're sitting in those chairs. I mean, those guys you mentioned. I mean, would be great. And I think Bill Clark would jump at it to have an opportunity to go out to to play Alabama to be in the SEC. I mean, those are great jobs to have. And you had that opportunity. Yeah, really? at Auburn, they offered him at Auburn. He yeah, turned it down. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure what all. I, I'm not. I'm. Yeah, they. You know, he backed out or he left them or whatever. But I, I'm just not sure what what went on there. Um, yeah. And then, you know, they are building a brand new UAB for their team. You know. It I would be surprised if he left right now. Yeah, that would be shocked. He's looking like you said. He loves the. He loves where he's at. He loves what he's doing. And I've heard this. Well, my my nephew played for him. You know, he's always he's waiting for the Alabama job. So. Yeah. So maybe that's what maybe that's what went on there. So uh yeah, who knows? turning down Auburn, you know. But uh Craig, what about those guys at UT? What what I mean, what do you think about Kevin Steele? I mean, do, what what about that? What about that hire? I mean, that was all everything's getting weird. I, I hate that he's put in there. He's like connected at some point to being weird, you know. It's been so weird lately. <laughs> uh, you know, we, when you went off uh or I talked about I, you know, uh he obviously he's the interim head coach. I think uh, you know, as we said in the hire, we all went oh, okay. We know why you you were hired is because they're going to get rid of uh, Pruitt and you'll be the guy because you've you've been a head coach. Going to be a hard sell for to UT fans with his record that he had at Baylor, which was woeful. 
Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough sell for them to the fans for him to be the head coach. I just don't see it. Uh, I think he may be able. Obviously, he's. You know, it wouldn't surprise me that if he was not the coach, the head coach through the the entire 2021 season, that would not surprise me. And then they make a hire after that, just just for the fact that we we know they're probably going to be in NCAA purgatory. So uh, it wouldn't surprise me there. But you know, uh, you've got. You know, the, the names that are coming up, we've talked about Hugh Freeze. There is no way they're going down that road with Hugh Freeze. No way. So he's out. Uh, then you got Coastal Carolina's Jamie Chadwell, uh, a Tennessee native, played at ETSU, you know, uh, had a great year at Coastal Carolina. You got Louisiana's Billy Napier, a Cookville native. Um, he coached with uh, Staben in, at Alabama. Another name that's come up here is Doug Marone, who's also on the UT staff at one point. He was on the Georgia staff, Georgia Tech staff, of course. He's been in the NFL as Jags uh, head coach. His his father-in-law is Boots Donnelly, a, a legend uh, in Middle Tennessee. He was a great coach at Father Ryan High School. Kurt, you know that very well. And then also at MTSU. So uh, that's another thing. And then you got Gus Malzahn out there. You know, there's going to be some people that want him. I mean, he's out there. He had a great record at Auburn. Uh, let's, let's, I mean, I don't think there's any Tennessee fan out there. If you see his – you saw his record uh, as he's been at Auburn and what he's done against Alabama, you'd take that in a New York minute. No doubt about it. You'd take it. Uh, you know, then Tom Herman's name's it, – it, Tom Herman's been coming up uh, out there. I've seen his name. Uh, and we've mentioned Bill Clark, uh, Buffalo's Lance Leopold, uh, Clemson offensive coordinator Tony Elliott, uh, Charlotte's Will Healy, Louisville Scott Satterfield. And then there's the faction. There's the faction. There's going to be a lot here to bring Lane Kiffin back. Ooh. Uh, I, 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 I think you can I, get all those other names before you get Lane Kiffin. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you're not getting Lane. He, uh, played, he played too many. He played a USC fight song too much in there the whole year. I heard from former alumni. He would play the USC fight song. That's how it's done. And oh my gosh, I just. Uh, but yeah, you're right, Lane Kiffin. But uh, boy, what what would be a story if Kevin Steele was the head coach and he brought in offensive coordinator Gus Malzahn? They just switch roles. That would be the SEC, though. <laughs> SEC. Yeah, I don't see that. Considering, <laughs> considering wow. that uh, uh, Steele probably uh, he's still got a knife wound in his back from Kevin Steele right now. Wow. Yes, he does. Holy cow! Uh, yeah, I, I don't think that would that would. I mean, I, I would put a camera in there and just and just make that higher and just just watch him go. Uh, yeah, HBO would be all over that. Yes, <laughs> hard knocks. Uh, uh, Coach Lashley, I think Coach Lashley and uh, Kevin Steele. <laughs> I think he would probably he probably come from Miami, maybe come up to run the offense. So it's going to be interesting to see who all he he tries to attract. Uh, on his staff and uh, uh, what players they – it's just going to be – it's going to run here to see how the big the guys do up at the big hill. So it's going to yeah. be fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, there, there's going to be a lot of things swirling around. They got to hire an AD first, right? Uh, they they got to they, they gotta figure that part of it out. And they got to just – they got some things to work out. Anyway, well, we switched gears. Uh, earlier we caught up with – Joshua Fisher, he is the host of the Charity Strike podcast, 
and uh, he is actually a producer at Believe. He produces my Georgia Dog show. He produce, he produces Illegal Motion along with a lot of other shows on the Believe Podcast Network. So we caught up with him to talk Texas football and a little bit of NFL. So here's the interview and enjoy. Joining us on the coaching chatter is actually our first guest on the chatter. Uh, it's Josh Fisher from the Charity Stripe Podcast and a member of Believe, the the network. Josh, what's up, man? Thank you for joining us. Yeah, guys, how are we doing today? Coaching chatter. Uh, it's a big time in coaching and in, in all of sports in the NFL and college football, especially for my alma mater. So I am pumped to join you guys today and and, and be a part of this. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a UT extravaganza today, uh, good, and I don't know if you've good. heard about what's happening over there in uh, in Knoxville, but it, it's quite the situation, and and we uh, we we've touched on that here. Uh, but I wanted to talk to you about uh, UT, the whole uh, the, the University of Texas, and what happened with Tom Herman at the end of his tenure. Uh, what happened with Sark and things like that. So we'll, we'll jump right into it. Let's uh, let's start with the end of uh, Tom Herman. What, you know, what kind of led to the dismissal? You know, why was it kind of uh, delayed? What, you know, what happened with all that? Well, I think truth be told, obviously there was the Urban Meyer saga, right? So there was seeing if Urban Meyer was going to commit or not to the University of Texas. And I do believe we were very close. But at the end of the day, I think he knew that there was potentially an NFL job waiting in the wings. And obviously that Jacksonville job with the cap room, with Trevor Lawrence, and you know, with honestly everything they have over there with some young players is too is too good to pass up. Then it turns to, okay, are we going to keep Herman and let him go for one more run? Or is there somebody else available that's better? Now, I think the end of Herman really just ties into the beginning of Sark. It's what are the things that Herman didn't do well? Because there were things that he did well, clearly. They had a 10-4 and season where they beat Georgia in the Sugar Bowl. After that, they were disappointing. They went eight and five. It's not a terrible record by any means. Better than Charlie Strong's third year. And then they went seven and three this year. And they, you know, obviously lost to Oklahoma. They lost to Iowa State, two of the top teams. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, there was a TCU loss that was kind of a bit damning. And they did have, they closed out great against K-State. They closed out great against Colorado. So, like, okay, maybe we could save Herman's job. But when it come, when push comes to shove, there were three things I really felt that Herman didn't do great that I think Sarkeesian can really, really amplify. One of them being, and most importantly, is getting the best out of your skill position players. Really maximize. And you guys, you know, look at Sarkeesian. The best player on his team was Devonta Smith. How many times did Sarkeesian get the ball in Devonta Smith's hands in the national championship game? We have guys on our team, Joshua Moore, exploded for three touchdowns and had a touchdown almost in every other game consecutively after the next four games. And then they didn't really utilize him at certain points. They didn't get the ball in his hands. Brendan Eagles had a 145-yard game, a big play receiver. But he'd only get four to five catches a game. We had Bijan Robinson, who really didn't see an uptick in carries towards until the end of the season. And in those last two games, he had back-to-back 170-yard games. Where was that at the top of the year? Why are we riding Keontae Ingram? Roshan Johnson was clearly a better running back at that point. He just had a lot of personnel issues where a guy like Sarkeesian Always found the always found the best way to put the ball in his best player's hands, and I think that's what I'm most excited for about Sark. And that was an issue I had with Herman. Also, you guys, you know, I'm sure you could speak to it. A big thing for me and anybody, really, it has to be in, in regards to coaching is discipline. 
best football team ever and anything better than Alabama, more impressive, I would say. And it's not because I'm a diehard fan uh, of the New England Patriots is, is the Pats. And if you go back to 2015, up until this year, top five and fewest penalties per game is the New England Patriots every year. Every year, you go back and look, top two even, number one even. It's not a coincidence. Longhorns were bottom 10, bottom 10 team in in fewest penalties per game. They averaged eight penalties per game. That's free yards. You're giving away free yards. How are you expected to make a run on offense when you're starting at first and 20? Every or if, time. if you get a stop on third down and your defense just can't get off the field. Exactly. And your defense gets gassed. I mean, there, there had, there, there's, I mean, you saw it in the Saints game against the Bucs. It, it, there came a time for the Saints defense as good as there. They got gassed. Your defense is on the field the whole game. And his, convert, his third down conversion rate, Todd Herman was, Herman, Coach Herman was pitiful. Coach Herman had, Tom Herman had a pitiful third down conversion rate. And it, it shows. And you, get, you can't get your defense off the field. You can't convert in third down. You're getting heavily penalized. It's just parts of the game that you really need to convert on. Alabama was number one in third down conversion. Number one. Making the most of every opportunity. Their defense obviously has studs on every... They have studs on every side of the ball. It's a wagon wheel. It's a blue chip. It's the, it is the best program in college football. It's probably the best run program we'll ever see. We'll ever see. And it's actually going to be quite interesting because a lot of those guys are leaving to come to us. Yeah, Craig, it seems pretty uh seems pretty simple now. It seems pretty much like a slam dunk of of going to that Sabin Belichick uh tree and, and, and plucking the, the newest the newest recruit from the Sabin Academy, right, Craig? Well, absolutely, you know, and uh I love the hire uh of Sark going to Texas. You know, the one thing that uh, you know, obviously he was the flavor of the month, uh, the job he did at Alabama was incredible. Uh, you know, I had the pleasure of seeing all, almost all of their games, and there was never – nobody ever came close to stopping that offense and how innovative they were, how he was able to get matchups, you know, the worst cornerback or the first, worst defensive back on Devontae Smith. I mean, it was just over and over uh, what he did. It, it was incredible. But, again – uh, you know, he had some studs. Uh, Jones at quarterback. Uh, Smith at wide receiver. You had Waddle there, too. He ended up getting hurt, too. It was incredible. Probably a better prospect, to be quite honest, than Smith. And then, of course, you got the horse at running back. Um, you know, you wonder, is he going to be able to have those kind of studs right now at Texas? I think those studs are available to him to to pluck in the recruiting ground at and I'll ask you, Josh, um, was there any doubt just because of the fact, you know, if you look at his coaching record, I mean, on paper, it's not really that good as a head coach. Well, but it's I mean, not good for the University of Texas. Great job at Alabama. Yeah, I mean, it's not. I mean, Sarks, listen, you know, I think there's he's coached at Washington. He's coached at USC. He had his he had his downfall already. And there's, you know, there has to be some maturity in the, in the coaching, in the coaching ranks. Charlie Strong had not had a job this big and I think he crumbled under it. Tom Herman had not had a job this big and he crumbled under it. It's not, this is, this is not, you're not an offensive coordinator anymore. You're not the head coach at Houston as, you know, as, as good as you built that program up to be. It's just not the same thing. 
And yeah, he had, listen, no one's going to recruit like Alabama. No one really recruit like Alabama in the state of Texas. If you look at the state of Texas, it was dominate. Alabama dominates in the state of Texas more than they should, at least. A&M dominates. That's another thing with Herman. And it's not like Herman had bad recruiting classes. He had weapons. There's realistically no excuse why, why the University of Texas should lose to a team like Iowa State, should lose to a team like TCU or West Virginia in any given year. It just basically comes down to that point to coaching. From a recruiting standpoint, look, Brockermeyer, number two player in all of college football rankings. Where is he going? Texas kid, Fort Worth kid. Dad played at UT. Brother played at UT. He's going to Alabama. That's a problem. That is a major problem. You can't get the top in-state kid whose dad and brother went to, your, went to the university that's recruiting you. You have a major issue. Garrett Wilson, one of the top receivers in the recruiting class the year before. Austin kid. Where was, he, where was he playing this year? National championship game for Ohio State. Two years ago, whatever. You have to recruit the top guys. And I think Sark will have a better opportunity. Obviously, he brings in Banks for the special teams coordinator, tight end coach. Banks is a heralded, unbelievable recruiter. So that's a plus right there. Flood, obviously, again, you have a bunch of hogs on the offensive line, but I think he'll help that. I mean, Texas has always had the pieces. You look at the NFL. Duvernay is going to be good. Sean Elliott started for the Ravens. Colin right? Johnson. Colin Johnson had a nice year. I mean, again, it's like Colin Johnson was supposed to be a top pick. He, Herman just couldn't get the most out of him. And that's a problem. You have to be able to get the most out of your guys at the end of the day. And Herman was just not good enough at doing that. And I think Sark can or has exemplified that he was able to do that. And it's, yes, you had Devonta Smith, who's honestly is an unbelievable talent and nothing to take away from him. But you look at the schemes he's running, you look at the plays he's running and you're like, you guys are staying, getting those mismatches on the worst DBs, moving him across, you know, in the backfields, setting him in motion, every other play. Fine. It, we saw that play multiple times. I'm sitting there on the couch, on the couch, watching it go down. I go up. Oh, there's that play again. He's setting him in motion in the backfield. He's going to draw him on a linebacker and send him over to the, the pile on, you know, when they're 10 yards out and boom happens. Devonte Adams runs that play. Right in the NFL. Oh yeah, and uh, so I, I think what um, what is on a lot of people's minds as far as uh, initially with Steve Sarkeesian and his offensive coordinator Kyle Flood, you know, how much of the play calling duties and the offensive coordinating duties is he going to uh, delegate to to Flood? Is he going to take a lot of the play calling himself? You know, how do you see that playing out? He's going to call the plays himself. A hundred percent. I would be. Why wouldn't he? You know, there's no he's there's no point. That's why he's that's why he's being brought in. You don't bring in Mariano Rivera to start throwing changeups and curveballs. You bring Mariano Rivera in for the cut fastball. Yeah. Okay. Hey, I you know the the CE role the CEO role at a place like Texas could be you know I didn't know how overwhelming it could be for Sark. So you know there, there's a whole situation of. You know, he's got other duties and stuff like that. Is he going to have time uh, to worry about that or, you know, but that's, uh, you know, that's definitely where you want to be with Sark. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, Josh, let's get right to the, what about the, the number one position is the head coach. And we feel like the Texas Longhorns have that guy in place. Now the number 
the 1A position has to be the quarterback. Sam Erlinger is graduating. He's moving on to the pros. Is that correct, Josh? Yeah, he's done. So who, and, who, who, you who know, do y'all project as the guy? Who's going to be the trigger man? It's going to be between Card and, and, and Thompson, and he's just going to go with whoever he deems best. He's going to go, and, that, and, that, and that's, I can't be like Casey Thompson's going to get the job right now, or, or Hudson Card's going to have the job, right? I don't, you know, I need, you need to see a full spring of these guys in with Sark. Like Herman had it, you know, Tom had it easy. He had Ellinger. That was the obvious guy the whole time, right? Mm-hmm. And then he goes, Sark now has Casey Thompson. He has Hudson Card. He has two good options. Thompson came in this year and threw the ball quite, quite nicely. Hudson Card's a blue chip prospect. He's got his options there. It's just going to be about whoever, whoever can get a grasp of his offense the best and quickest. It's like, dude, like it would between Tua, between Hurts, but you know, I don't think he was never Hurts. Between Tua and, and Mac Jones, like you know, for all intents and purposes, Tua is the better prospect. Tua is you know the better NFL prospect. Mac Jones is one of the most efficient and one of the most efficient seasons ever. You go by just efficiency rating, and they played 13 games. That team played 13 games. It's not like they played out ah, of the six, seven games the Pac-12 played. It's not like they played the 10 of the Longhorns played. They played 13, a full slate of games. So it was a full season in my book that Alabama had, as it should be. He had a more... Josh, I know he's got two guys in the building. What about recruiting? What about where does he stand? I know they lost a recruit to Ohio State. Are they rallying that guy back in or... What's going on with recruiting quarterback? I mean, it's it's gonna be tough. Yours is luck, but it, it's again that it goes back to the it goes back to the in home thing. You have the top rated quarterback, one of the top rated quarterbacks ever, just period, coming out of high school. And listen, guys can flop. What do we? There was a kid, Gunner Keel. If y'all remember him, oh, a couple yeah. years ago. Signed at Notre Dame, right? Signed at Notre Dame. He was at Cincinnati. They went to Cincinnati. It was just flip-flopping all over the place. They couldn't, and he just flamed out. Guys flame out all the time. So until I see it on the field, I'm always like, okay, he's supposed to be good, but let's see it happen. This kid, as far as supposed to be good, is the top of the list. A Texas kid, and we lose him to Ohio State. Can they, listen, anything could happen in a year. You could flip him. We just brought that kid Winfield in already, a top 100 wide receiver, his first recruit, a great pickup. And that kid's saying that they're going to bring in viewers back in. So anything could happen in a year. We see guys flip-flop all the time, you know, decommit, reopen their commitments. Go, he, could, he could reopen his commitment and go right back to Ohio State. At the end of the day, where it stands right now, and, and I'd love to think with my heart, and because I love the city of Austin and the University of Texas is, in my opinion, the best university on the planet, and I'll fight anybody tooth and nail to that point. But if you're going to play college football as a quarterback, you want to win a national championship, and you want to go to the NFL, Ohio State, Alabama, and Clemson are a head and shoulders above the rest. There are other universities like Notre Dame could sneak in there. A&M's kind of getting there, right? They were close this year. Georgia's always in play. LSU had their season. Michigan, you know, it, it's still possible. They get, they get enough recruits where, they, where they're competitive eventually with Ohio State. But at the end of the day, we can all place a firm bet and honestly be confident if we had to pick three out of the four teams correctly, it'd be Ohio State, Bama, and Clemson. So if you're a young recruit like when you were, you want all that that comes with it. Ohio State, is the obvious choice, in my opinion. At that point, it doesn't matter. You can go away from home. 
if Sark can come in and go, okay, we're taking this, we're taking this season and we're not going to, we're not going to, if he lose, if he beats everybody, but OU, he and goes to the big 12 championship game in this, in, in this year. It's not what I want necessarily. Cause oh, you always want to go on the field. You want to go to the playoffs. You want to win it. You want to win handily, but that would be an upgrade at least because we're not losing a bogus game to TCU, which we should have won. The TCU game had had no. I don't care if our middle linebacker Mitchell got got ejected. There was no adjustments by Chris Ash in that game. It was the team had just lacked adjustments across the board. It was an all, and it was exemplified. I mean, I always point to it because everything stems down from the top. And when Keontae Ingram in that game, it's first and goal. Goes, he's getting stuffed blatantly, but he goes to reach for it and fumbles the ball. It's an all guts, no glory. It's an all glory, no guts play. And that's what the whole team was, you know, and, and it stems from the top down with the attitude. And I think Sark brings a different mentality. Um, he brings a championship caliber. He's learned, he's made his mistakes. He's grown, he's matured as a coach. I think it's different. I think it's going to be different for him. So I'm, I'm, I'm very optimistic about the hire. Again, I'm not ready to say this guy is the end all be all because we were like that with Charlie Strong. We beat no, we were the, we beat Notre Dame. We were the number ten ranked team. Three months later, Charlie Strong's fired. We beat Georgia. We almost win the Big Twelve. We beat Georgia. Texas is back. Everyone's saying. Two years later, he's fired. We can't. You can't crown the guy king yet. He's got to set up shop and, and, and show that he can be the king. You know? And the throne right now sits in Norman, Oklahoma. Yeah, 100%. You got to beat those boys. And then uh, apparently now Iowa State is, is the new kids on the block, and they're, they're sitting there. They're sitting pretty in the Big 12 now with uh, Matt Campbell uh, as their head coach. So, you know, just kind of look at some of the opponents. You know, I see OU and Iowa State right now as the teams to beat. In, uh, in the Big 12, followed by TCU, and then everybody else is just kind of like out there, year, you know, up and down year to year. So evaluating the opponents, uh, taking away the obvious two with OU and, and Iowa State, who is that big hurdle that Texas has struggled with lately that they need to get back in heavy favor of that, of that series? We've lost back-to-back games. We've lost back-to-back games against TCU. And it's on, it's there again. It makes, you know, we've like Gary Patterson's beat him twice. Yeah. Back to back years. He's also have to, you can't, he's lost back to back against Iowa State. He's back to back against OU. He can't, you, you, you lose back to back to three opponents. Where's the adjustment? You're the University of Texas. You're not getting, you are just not getting out recruited by Iowa State. It is impossible. But Matt Campbell, who I think is an excellent coach, Matt Campbell is one of the top coaches in college football. And if he doesn't stay at Iowa State and continue to build that program, there's going to come a day when there's an opening like Alabama. And if Saban doesn't have a guy within his ranks that he's homegrown, he's going to tab a guy like that. Or the NFL is going to come calling for a guy like that. He had one, and uh, now he's in Austin. Yeah, he'll they have another one. It doesn't. They, they come. They come through all the time. I don't think it'll be Bill O'Brien. No, I think this is not. like no. But Bill O'Brien will get another head coaching job somewhere. 
Bill Just O'Brien. Bill O'Brien, for all intents and purposes, was a fine coach. He had a good thing going at Penn State. He really cooked the Texans back into good shape. It's just the minute, you know, again, they gave him the CEO job, then it became an issue. Josh, let me ask, let me ask you this. Um, you know, when, when the playoffs came about in uh, college football mm-hmm. roughly 22 years ago, one of the school you start thinking of schools, you go, oh, okay, this is going to be – these are teams that are going to win the national championship. One of them I thought – multiple national championships. I was like, one of them that came to my head right off the bat was Texas. So – and they've only won one with Mac Brown. Sark has a – he has a shot right now to become a, a quote-unquote legend at Texas – if he can win multiple national championships, to me, looking from the outside, I would say Texas has underachieved in the last 20 years. Where we've been to one. We lost to Bama with Colt McCoy. We got knocked out. Other than that, nothing. We, we've, we, oh, we almost won the Big 12. That's our, that's our savings grace. We haven't, we haven't been to the playoffs. Since they've done the 14, since Ohio State won it the first time, teams that have come close are OU. OU's been in it out of the Big 12. And then there was a year that T, that was the, also the year that TCU was quote unquote robbed of being in it. And then Baylor was closer. Baylor was closer. There's no, we have not been close really to the playoffs. We have never, it's never been like, ah, Texas is considered. So yeah, we've underachieved. We've fired. We've gone. We had two two head coaches back to back. We've had three head coaches since I've since I've went there. Since I've gone to the University of Texas back, and I went back. I my freshman year was 2013. I saw Mac Brown, saw Charlie Strong. He came and went. Saw Coach Tom, Tom Herman. Three coaches. Where do you think Coach Herman lands? I think he might go to that. He might. We might take Pruitt as our DC. It's looking like Raheem Morris. I'm also seeing. Uh, I'm also seeing Washington's. Uh, I'm going to butcher this name, so uh, if he's listening, pardon me. Uh, but uh, Paul, I'm going to try. I'm going to try my best to say this. Uh, Keo Yeah, I've heard. That. I think I actually. Yeah. I've I read. I th- Pete, Pete. I think. He, I think he's going to. I think it's actually going to end up being him. Yeah. Do you like that? I trust it. I trust it. Listen, I don't. I think you got to stay away from Jeremy Pruitt right now. You at this point, you have it's no messy, idea. Yeah, I think Pruitt's what he. The, I think Pruitt's what he wants. Ramifications. Yeah. yeah, the ramifications of what have just happened. I mean, at the press conference yesterday, I heard the words "level one" come out of the chancellor. That's not good if you're the head coach of a college football program and you hear "level one" in CAA. Oh violation. no! You mean like you look at the? You don't want to be in a situation like the New York Mets where you're just hired a new GM and you have to fire him before the season starts again for the second year in a row. They have to. They've had to done something like that. So you don't want to find yourself in that kind of situation. Yeah. He was asking. I mean, I'm. I I trust it. I trust the hire. You have. I listen. I can't. I don't, I don't, I haven't, I haven't seen him coach the university yet. So I don't know. I'm not going to make, I'm done making my opinions about these guys and saying Texas is back and heralded these guys as the saviors of our kingdom until they do it. And Texas isn't back until they at least win the big 12 coming in second and beating Georgia in the sugar bowl is not, is not back, especially case in point proven when they don't, when they don't come through the following year. 
they're completely, they're totally underachieving. Yeah. They're underachieving across the board. But you know, I, I was behind that when I, when I first heard that, um, and it was kind of random for me when I first heard that Sark was being hired, I was like, okay, let's get after it, man. Hopefully, hopefully he learned something or, or a thing or two from the, from the Saban Academy. So, um, yeah, it's it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a fun ride there in Austin. I think Sark has learned a lot. I think he's mm-hmm. matured a lot. I think that's the key with him. Uh, with uh, you know all the drinking problems he had when he was in L.A. Um, and even up when he was in Seattle at, at the University of Washington, he uh, you know he I, I think the rehab has worked. I think working under Saban has given him a lot of structure. So I'm excited to uh, to to see that hire. But I want to ask you a question since you have that uh, since Bill Belichick is is scowling at me mm-hmm. right now. Uh, over your uh, right shoulder, please. Uh, I want to get your opinion on, and this will be a, a divisional question, uh, not necessarily a Patriots-related question, but a divisional question as far as the New York Jets. How do you how do you think they did in their head coaching hire? Did they get the best guy in this class, or crop, or whatever you want to say? No, I don't think they did necessarily. I mean, I think the best guy. Most proven guy is Urban Meyer. I know he hasn't done it at the NFL level, but he's a winner at the end of the day. I think you have to look at Urban Meyer as the best, the best coach. I'm a big fan of Arthur Smith's. I think he's done a great. I mean, our, yeah, there you go, man. Falcons. I, I think Arthur Smith. I Ryan Tannehill wasn't broken. He was just a little lost. He had good moments in Miami. He just got hurt. You know, he didn't get his he didn't get his feet footing quite quite right. I think he really revitalized his career and obviously made him a high paid quarterback, made him a franchise quarterback, and I think rightfully so. He he Derrick Henry was absurd under him. Not only did he have AJ Brown again like using his skill, but he really unlocked Corey Davis, who had an excellent season this year. I think Arthur Smith is. I'm curious to see what he does. Does he? What does he do at the number four pick? Realistically, you still have Matt Ryan, who I think is a good quarterback. I think you have to go defense. Sertan's there, and he's not going to go in the top three. I think it's a move you have to make. You can't really pass defense or can't really, Yeah. One so if Sewell's there, yeah. Sewell, I think the Jets. It, I think Salah is a good pick. They moved to a four-three, which is huge for Quinn Williams, right? That's what he played at Alabama, and that's where he was at his best. He was still excellent this year. He was a top 10 Pro Bowl snub in my book. But if you really want to unlock Quinn Williams, I think having him in a 4-3 is going to be great. They have that 23rd pick. Can they get an edge guy? Can they get can, can Gregory Rousseau drop from Miami? Can Jalen Phillips be there from Miami? Do they go with my boy Osai out of UT on the edge? And it's just about, like, did they get the right guy? I think for them... Good deal. Every listen when the Jets are at their best. Jets went to back-to-back AFC Championship games with Mark Sanchez at the helm. Doesn't really didn't really matter who's their quarterback. Their defense was a top defense, and they ran the hell out of the ball. Thomas Jones was and Sean Green combined for almost two thousand yards the first year they went to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, they. uh, So uh, an important offensive question there. Do you know? Obviously, the Jags are picking Trevor Lawrence. That's you know, hands down, no questions about that. Do the Jets trust Sam Darnold? And I've, and I've asked uh, Kurt and Craig this question: Do they trust Sam Darnold, or do they draft and draft Devontae Smith, who I think is going to be the best non-quarterback on the board, um, or do you draft Justin Fields? If if you are uh, if you are um, 
I have one A and one B on this. One A, if you can trade the picks and move back, trade the pick and move back. You trade the pick and move back because Devonta Smith's going to be there at four, five, or six. He just will be or seven. Yeah. Whoever wants to move up, I think the Lions are at seven and the Panthers are at eight. Maybe the Panthers are sitting there and going, Teddy Bridgewater is not our guy. He was bad at the end of last season, and we have Joe Brady for only maybe another year if he doesn't get high. If he doesn't get picked up by the Eagles in the next couple of weeks. We really want to cash in and, and get a guy in there that he can work with and, and, and give him a good reason to stay. I doubt he will by the end of next season if they're successful. I think they can move up for Fields or Zach Wilson, whoever they like best, or Mac Jones, even a surprising move if he starts if he starts, you know, interviewing well, which I'm sure he will. Um, he was great last year. I want the I wanted the pass to pick up Mac Jones, the 15th spot. I'd love that. Um, if we don't get like a Stafford or we don't get into Deshaun Watson or Jimmy G uh, sweepstakes. Um but if you're the Jets, if you can't trade the pick, you take so well. It's a no-brainer for me. It's a, it, you have you have Beckton on one side and him on the other. You have two behemoths. Beckton, listen, Beckton had some injury woes this year too, so it's a good insurance policy. I know you can't really plan for that, but that, that's something I'd consider on a, on a small scale. But he was excellent this year. Again, going back to when the, when did the Jets go to the AFC Championship games? They took Mangold and Ferguson in 2006 in the same draft. Same draft. Fourth and 29th, I believe. 2006, Ferguson and Mangled. Oh, coincidence, they start running the hell out of the ball at an extremely high, high clip and go to the playoffs and do well? I don't think so. You win on the line. Darnold's been injured. He's been sick. He's had a horrible head coach. Talk about no adjustments made. He's at the top of the list during games. And I think getting a guy in there, they have a floor now coming in, right? The OC, Michael Floor. Okay, you've seen what his brother can do in Green Bay. Have the ultimate faith in him. Rogers, Rogers is a rollout. Rogers is so good on the rollout. And if you look at Darnold at USC, Darnold on the move on the rollout when the pocket's moving with him is excellent. I have the ultimate faith in Sam. Sam Darnold against Penn State in the Rose Bowl is one of the best quarterback games I've ever seen. Sam Darnold against Texas when they beat us at USC. Everything was looking good. And when it came, when push came to shove and it came time for him to drive down the field or it came time for him to beat us at the end of the game, he was lights out automatic. I've seen him play. I've seen Goff play live. I've seen Baker play live. I've seen Kyler play live against us, all of them. Kyler is the only guy that can change the game in a minute. I love Goff. It's like just a pure passer. But Darnold was like, oh, Darnold liked Baker and why I like both of them were winners. They found any which way to get the. If they were put in a position to win the game, they did. And the Jets beat the Browns. They beat the Rams. They beat playoff teams this year. They weren't that. They they ended the season well last year. They have guys on the team that can keep them competitive. If Mims is healthy for a full season, I have faith in the Jets. If they can draft properly and use the cap room wisely and get guys to come in and play for Sal on the defensive side of the ball and get 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 a couple good skill position players in there. Absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's important. Uh, it, it's just building around the pieces you got, Kurt, um, on the, you know, on both sides of the ball, you know, in the, in the NFL is the name of the game. And Robert uh, Sala is a very, very good, good motivator. So um, yeah, I, I'm excited for the Jets for that hire. And I think uh, due to the fact that he, he brought in uh, Michael Flores as offensive coordinator, that gives me a little bit yeah. more hope that, hey, he might actually just get this thing right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's about to be a good division again. Dolphins have a bevy of picks and they look solid last year. I mean, 
The Bills are sitting on top Bills of the Bills are right one now. game away from the big dance, man. And the Patriots. And the Patriots are the Always Patriots. Will be. Well. Yep. So what um before mm-hmm. we let you go, uh we we've talked about Texas. Now we're gonna talk about your, your NFL team, the Patriots. What did they have to do? Um obviously getting all those opt outs yeah. back uh will, will help a lot. But what do they have to do to reclaim the division? Offense, man. It's getting there. Listen, the defense was good. All things considering the offense couldn't stay in the field, the defense was excellent. Their point differential wasn't was 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 under was under minus thirty, so not that horrible. But the Buffalo Bills put up over five hundred points this year. Over five hundred. The Dolphins put up over four hundred, and their offense wasn't wasn't pretty. We couldn't. We we didn't even put up three fifty. The offense was just pitiful. We didn't have a guy under center. I don't know if it was, okay, listen, the first game we looked good. The Seahawks game was close. We beat the Raiders. Okay. We're sitting there at two and one Got He cam gets sick and the wheels start to fall off. I mean, the Broncos loss was horrible. We barely beat the jets. The bills at the end of the game was brutal. And then we beat the Ravens and it's like, okay, we're kind of back. And then we wallop the chargers. We beat the car. It was just a team of like, we didn't have any identity. We didn't have any continuity. I think I'm not, I'm not ready to say Cam Newton's done. I just don't know if he's the guy for us anymore. I think as far as the run game goes, I would love to see us really ride out with Damian Harris next year. I was most happy with him. I think the issue is, and like, look, he drafts exceptionally well. Unwenu was a great pick. Shaq Mason's a steal. Tooney's a steal. He finds guy. He finds guys all over the place, right? I'm not except receiver. He's been terrible at drafting. Well, he's receivers. been bad in the first round. Period. Isaiah Wynn can't stay healthy. Sony Michelle's been a lame duck the last two years. Nikhil Harry can't stay on the field, nor can he really grasp the offense. He has issues in the first round, but it, God, he finds gems everywhere. Jonathan Jones, JC Jackson, undrafted guy at the yeah. gate picks this year. Undrafted guy. I mean, Winovich is solid. I think he's got potential at least. I mean, he finds guys all over the place and he's a, he's a good drafter, man. I, I have, and Duger was great. I love Kyle Duger. I love that pick. I mean, I, I listen, he has got to come in there and do some serious damage in the draft. I love again, if he can move out of the 15th pick, I'd love for that. I'd love to, I mean, obviously everyone wants the Deshaun Watson trigger to be pulled for their team, but if Stafford becomes available, I, that's something that has to be considered. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Stafford, Deshaun Watson, Jimmy G, maybe even Matt Ryan for for a couple He's, years. Ryan's not going anywhere. My my take my take on the Falcons is they go and use that first pick they have on a defensive player, and they ride. They look they look at this team and go, okay, this is the same team pretty much. If everyone's healthy on offense, at least we have Julio, we have Cal, Hayden Hurst is solid, we have Gurley. We have, we have Gage. Gay, Russell Gage is fine. And you could draft, you could listen, you could, you could draft guys later. You have, again, you have more picks. You can take receivers, you can take offensive linemen in the top of the second, top of the third round. They're, they're all over the place. One other running back to back up Gurley, even. I think he, Najee yeah, Harris. You could, or <laughs> Etienne, Trey guy. Sermon, whoever, man. Like the, these, the, you could get a guy to bring in behind Gurley and, and spell him a good player. And I think you got to, I think if you're the new head coach, the Falcons, you got to go, okay, I got to give the, this, this, these guys one more shot, at least with me, with my offense, with what I came here to do, with what I was brought in here to do. 
Exactly. And uh, I know Matt Ryan's excited because he's looking at Ryan Tannehill going, God, if he can resurrect that guy's career, he can resurrect mine. But uh, Josh, guys, it was a pleasure so to have much, you on, man. You guys. Um, we're going to let you get out of here uh, and, and get on with your day. Uh, but uh, Josh, again, uh, you, you're always well, welcome thanks, uh, to, to jump on and and, uh, and chat with us and, and go through some coaching chatter with us. But uh, you can catch Josh on the charity stripe and uh, I've been on the phone with Josh a lot uh, since I got started with the uh, Georgia dogs podcast and, and, and this one as well. So uh, Josh, take care, man. Have Thank a great you. Day. you guys. Keep it up. It was a great time. Appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Later. See you, man. You guys want to hear some exciting news? Got, got a new sponsor. Uh, Got a new sponsor. We're we're going to uh, we're going to take a break, shift gears. But our new sponsor want to welcome uh, the home team, Kenny Salas, and the home team of Keller Williams Realty uh, in uh, in Wilson County. Uh, they uh, they provide all your realty needs as far as uh, being able to uh, if you want to buy, sell, whatever. They have great success out there. Uh, Kenny is a great friend of mine, um, and and he uh, coached with him at. Uh, at Lebanon High School, so they do a great job there. Uh, again, the home team of Keller Williams Realty. Uh, you can find them at hometeam615.com. Uh, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, you can also contact uh, Kenny and his group at 615-268-2165 or Kenny, that's K-E-N-N-Y, at hometown615.com. You can email him. Uh, the word to describe Kenny is uh, is badass, uh, the, and and uh, they had they can provide all your uh, realty needs in Wilson County. So wanted to wanted to welcome welcome him and his group aboard to the Coaching Chatter podcast. It's the first of hopefully many uh, to to jump in and, and and invest in our show. So we appreciate him and all that he does. And Kenny was Kenny was a great coach when when he was with us. He was that young guy that had all the energy. You know, way more energy than any of us else had, and and sometimes you need that. So uh, it was a joy to work he, with. He wised up and decided to make some money. Didn't he? he did. He did. He he saw. He's like, man, you know what? Yeah, I can I can sell some houses. Uh, you know, work my own schedule, and uh, I can I can go to the games and have no pressure. I can sit back. He's an LSU fan. Um, I can sit back and watch LSU. He grew up in he grew up in Louisiana, um, and then moved here. I think. So he spent part of his life in Louisiana, part of his life here in, in Nashville. So he's a he's an LSU fan. Uh, his his family when they moved up here, they were Vandy season ticket holders. So um, they probably they are probably familiar with uh, some some quarterback they had back in the mid '80s. Um, who the last person to beat Alabama? I don't know some guy. Um, and it's not me, <laughs> Kurt Page. Uh, Wilson so County is a what, great place. Uh, we do a lot of our sore athletic training there in that county. Uh, we've been in Watertown area. We've been in the Lebanon area, Mount Juliet. So Wilson County, he's got a great realtor uh, area that he gets after, uh, and we have had great times uh, servicing those guys. All three of us have been out there uh, in Lebanon for camps, and uh, it's been a great time. And we're going to have another camp January 31st for sore athletic training. So we're looking forward to, to putting on another camp there and uh, there at uh, Friendship Christian. So welcome aboard. We're glad to have him and looking forward to a long-term partnership and uh, glad he's a former ball coach or 
I don't know if you're ever a former ball. You're always a ball coach. Once you're a coach, you're a coach, and uh, just glad he's with us. He's just not getting paid for it anymore. Well, according so. to my, my wife over the years, she ran she ran the numbers, and she figured out very, very little pay for all the time we put into coaching. But we pour into people and uh, make young men better, you know, and grow up and make us proud and make their families proud. That's why you coach. You, you do things for others. You're servant leader, and, and that's what uh, – that's the fun part of it, and we love doing it. So absolutely. So we again, that's uh, Kenny Salas of uh, Keller Williams Realty, the hometown team, uh, hometown six one five dot com. So check him out if you're looking to buy in the Wilson County area, or he might even look at uh, outside of Wilson County. I, I, you know, I don't know. He's a badass, so who knows? Uh, but uh, we're we're gonna jump. Well, we're coming out of halftime. We made our adjustments. Uh, we, we've schemed up, see what they're, see what we're successful at, see what we can run. Uh, want to want to shift gears to the NFL? Did you like that segue? Uh, want to shift gears to the NFL? Uh, looks like uh, right now with uh, the Falcons have their guy and Arthur Smith. We've talked about him, the New York Jets. We uh, we're going to discuss that with uh, Josh Fisher here with Robert Sala. I continue to say his name wrong. Uh, probably will never get that name right. Uh, and it looks like the Lions. Have uh, have hired Dan Campbell. Uh, the Rams have hired uh, their guy as well. Uh, with uh, br- uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna blank out on this name. I'm having a brain fart. Somebody help me here. Um, they've hired their guy, and it looks like Eric Bieniemy got an interview with the Texans, and then it looks like uh, the Eagles are still circling in on their guy. They interview uh, the offensive coordinator from the Indianapolis Colts. And so also the Falcons have hired their GM. Now they have made official with Terry Fontenot. I think they've had him in the boat the whole time, uh, but they, they made it official after as of Sunday. So what, what, what do you guys think of what's going on in the NFL? Who ends up in Philly? Who ends up, uh, I think who ends up in, in Houston? Good question. Uh, you know, there's been a lot, a lot of uh, interviewing going on. I, I still think Joe Brady is, is a play in in Philadelphia. Um, I, I, he's a guy that he, he's got a proven track record. Uh, what he what he did with LSU and then now with uh, Carolina, and so I think he's in play there uh, at, at this point. You know, it, they've interviewed multiple candidates, and there's really not. You don't really see a Oh, this is the guy uh, in Philadelphia. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, who they end up picking up uh, as far as that goes. The Texans uh, mess. Uh, they're you know the reports have come out that uh, Deshaun Watson has probably played his last game in a Texans uniform, and uh, that's not good when you got a marquee quarterback in a quarterback league, and you're going to end up uh, having to lose him uh, as a result of uh, he he want to be consulted on the GM hire and. Apparently wasn't so uh, a lot a lot to uh, a lot of mess to clean up in Houston. And his Titans Titans fans probably are excited about that, right, Kurt? Yeah, I think I think you got to be. If you can get him out of your division, you'd be really happy. But the big thing about the Texans, I mean, from day one, I think all of us were in agreement. I mean, a guy that had to be called first had to be Eric Bieniemy. I mean, and uh, the things he's been part of with uh, Patrick Mahomes and. You know, let's let's get off of this thing. Well, and it's Andy Kelly's offense is, you know, he's uh, 
Uh, he's Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Kelly. Andy. We're, we're all brain farting around here. <laughs> he's one of my favorites. He is one of my favorites of all time. Hey, Kurt, I'm going to cut you off real quick. Brandon Staley is the new Chargers head coach. Brandon yeah. Staley, he's Rams. Rams defense coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. Yes. He did a, great, did a great job. And, uh, you know, he stays within the division. And uh, Sean McVay, you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that all – how that pans out. Uh, but uh, the Chargers, uh, you know, they've got, they've got an unbelievable up-and-coming team coming up. Uh and I, li- I like the Joe Brady linkage uh, to go into to uh, to uh, maybe resurrect Carson Wentz's uh, program, uh, maybe bring Jalen Hurts into a starting NFL quarterback. Uh, I really like that a lot. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know what what a what a debacle, debacle that was for uh, Coach Peterson. Uh, you know, he's going to be out, I guess, this year as a coach, but I guess he gets paid for a couple of three seasons. But, boy, what a guy that had uh, – I guess he won the championship and he got really, really stubborn because, uh, you know, he never – He self-sabotaged. I, I, I read that he – him and Howie Roseman were having a power struggle. Yeah. And uh, Howie Roseman wanted, wanted uh, Jalen Hurts yeah. to be in. And – Doug Peterson was going to stand by Carson Wentz, and the whole fact that he probably stuck with Carson Wentz for too long proves that there was a power struggle of some sort. And then he kind of forced Jalen Hurts in, and then you know it. it you know Jalen Hurts is a great player. Uh, unfortunately, he was stuck in the middle of the of all this. But um, and then you know Hugh Laurie was just kind of on the outside looking in as the owner. And said, eh, "Okay, well, we're good with Doug Peterson. We're gonna we're gonna do an improvement plan." And then all of a sudden, bam! Axe comes down um, after that Washington game. Like a week later, after that Washington game, um, just shows that it it brings more credence to the fact that Peterson threw that game so that he could get fired and get out of Philly, yeah, so that he doesn't have to coach there anymore. I think that's a great point. And what happened was that second half playing the trying to evaluate the third string quarterback. So that was Hurts, so Hurts wouldn't win, you know, wouldn't uh you know, if he won that game, I mean you go into twenty one season, we got us a quarterback, you know. He's uh, I guess he won three of the last four games, his yeah. stats were good. It's it just, was a sabotage. Yeah, it was it was terrible. And uh but you know what hurts hurts a rebound from that. You get a guy like Joe Brady, Hurts will uh, be fine. you get a guy, you know, somebody in there that can really get those guys coached up and I think they will. Um But you gotta try Yeah. What about let's go? What about Detroit Lions, Coach Campbell? Craig, what do you think about Coach Campbell? I, I thought it was kind of a meh hire. I, I I didn't understand it with especially with all the other people out uh, out there on the board. I, you know, Corey, I liked it. I really did. I liked it. Maybe, I've you, always, know, maybe you know more than I do. I don't know. Well, you know, he, he was one of those. You know, as a player, he's one of those hard nosed players. Uh, didn't have the most talent. Uh, but made it, had a nice career at the NFL, just outwork guys, and I think they like that mentality. Uh, you know, he, he's done well, risen up through the ranks, and really, honestly, I like the hire. I like that hire better than I did uh, Patricia the first time, you know, before him. I, I really like that. I like the hire. Yeah, I, 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 didn't, I didn't like the Patricia hire. I never once thought Patricia was more than a defensive coordinator. Um, 
you know some guys just aren't personality fits in, in the head coaching role. I, that's kind of how I feel about Dan Campbell. I think I love Dan Campbell as a coach. You saw if you if you really want to know what he's like as a coach, uh, go watch the the season of Hard Knocks where he's with uh, the Miami Dolphins in 2012. Um, he was one of my favorite characters on that show. I mean, I'd say character, but he was uh, he was one of my favorite coaches on that staff, and that was probably one of the weakest staffs. I've ever seen on hard knocks or just in the NFL. Uh, Joe Philbin again is another guy who good coordinator knows his stuff, very extremely knowledgeable in the game of football, just not cut out to be a head coach. And that's okay. Dan Campbell. I, I'm, I'm afraid he's kind of like that. Cause I, I think, you know, personality wise, I don't know if he's a great fit, but then again, he's going to Detroit and they need somebody like that. So maybe it'll work. I, I I'm skeptical. I don't dislike him. I'm just skeptical because they screwed up in firing uh, Caldwell. They screwed up royally in, in, in hiring Patricia. That was never going to work. Um, so I'm, I've, been, I've been skeptical because they've, they're the Lions. They've, they've, they've typically historically screwed this up um, more times than not. So I don't know. I, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for the guy. I like the guy. Um, but you, know, you have the enemy on the board, Joe Brady on the board, um, you have some other guys that I, I that I think are are better candidates than 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 Campbell um, from the outside looking in. You know, maybe he maybe he wowed him somehow. I don't know. Uh, may, you know, Lions fans are always going to wonder what could have been with with uh, with Salah. You know, they 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 let him get to to New York. You know, they're going to wonder. Okay, why didn't we hire Arthur Smith? Because Arthur Smith, I mean, we we've seen firsthand is, is uh, being here in Nashville what he can do. Um, and he's just been shot through the ranks, um, and and he was well respected in this league. Um, so good to see him get his shot. Uh, and I want to see the same for Bienemy. And I hope Bienemy doesn't go to Houston because that's a mess. Um, I don't know where he would go. Unfortunately, he's probably going to get shut out of this whole deal because I don't think Philly's interested in him at all, um, which is a shame. Uh, you know, of the other two jobs, if I'm Bienemy, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to sit out another year. Um, I'm happy here in Kansas City. I'm about to win another Super Bowl, probably. So, um, you know, maybe next year we'll see. We'll see what happens and uh, sit this one out because Philly's a mess, Houston's a mess. So, we'll see what happens. But, um, Kurt, what what did you think? What did you think of of Campbell? Well, as you mentioned, Sally, you know, he's a he's a Michigan guy. He grew grew up there. You know, he's a homegrown guy, homegrown talent. Uh, he's got their work ethic. Uh, he's an energy guy. He's got great enthusiasm. I think Notre. I think Notre. I think New York hit a home Notre run. Notre Dame probably could have hired him too. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they could. They, but I tell you what, New York hit a home run getting that guy. And their general manager uh, is cut from a teeth from the Philadelphia Eagles. He was he Joe was Douglas, there. I think is his name. Yes, I like Joe Douglas a lot, and I think he got he got a really good hire there. And then Lafleur. Uh, I really, I'm going to have to give me some JTS gear. Uh, I think they're going to be an up and coming. I think they'll probably <laughs> not going that far. They they got some. I think they're going to keep. I'm feeling green, so uh, I think the Jets. I think they're going to they're going to be they're going to be they're going to get a good. I think they trade that pick down. I think they get a lot of picks for that for that number two. Uh, yeah. They go with Sam Darnold. I agree that uh, I've always liked Sam Darnold uh, with some you know. He's just got to get the ball out of his hands. But let's face it, that's every quarterback, you know. And that guy's got the – he's got the, the moxie to be a quarterback. I mean, quarterback to USC. And uh, so I think they've got, they've got four great guys. I think you've got a general manager. 
you got a head coach, you got an offense coordinator, and you got a quarterback. I think those are the four uh, the four horsemen that you got to have at every program. So speaking to Dan Campbell, uh, hopefully he's a, a personality, a big enough personality. You know, you look immediately, do you keep uh, Stafford? I love Stafford, a Texas uh, homegrown guy that played at the University of Georgia, uh, did a great job as a collegiate player, has done tremendous job as an NFL guy, uh, had the great coach, uh, as you mentioned earlier, uh, with with uh, is it Coach Cohen? Yeah, it's just a poor organization. Yeah, I mean, the Lions are Lions are awesome in the playoffs, and then they fire the guys. So uh, I would really hope he could get a trade and get him somewhere. And Detroit gets gets a new coach here. Detroit gets a draft pick, a good quarterback, a young guy, and try to try to start a new path. Uh, yeah, but um, you know, just start over uh, and and send Matt Stafford. Send Matt Stafford to a, to a place where he can compete. I mean, I think, you know, teams that are in the market that aren't in a draftable position to get the the big three and, and obviously Trevor, uh, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson, um, you know, teams that are being the trade market will be Washington. They're on the cusp. Uh, they did a tremendous job under, under uh, Ron Rivera. Uh, you, you got the Patriots that are in the trade market. Uh, you've got – Potentially the 49ers who are in the trade market. The Rams could jump in there somehow. Um, if, if there's not too much dead cap space with golf, if, if, they, if they're ready to move off golf, um, you know, you, you have some teams that, that are probably shock you in, in the fact, you know, Miami, they could look into the trade market. They could send Tua somewhere else uh, and, and bring in a Deshaun Watson or, or uh, a Matt Stafford uh, or Jimmy G or somebody like that. I think Stafford, Watson, and possibly Jimmy G or three quarterbacks that'll be out there. The Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they could be in the market for like a Jimmy G, like maybe bring Jimmy G in and let him kind of ease into the year uh, with all his injury concerns and, and just kind of just kind of gradually move off Roethlisberger and gradually move into Jimmy G. That'd be a that'd be a good situation for for him. So the quarterback trade market's going to be out there. There's going to be guys available. So you just got to figure out who who the right one is for you and, and what you're willing to give up. Like it's going to take a lot to get Deshaun Watson, a lot, and that's okay. Get, you know, for for a team like Washington, they need a lot. But you get a guy like Deshaun Watson, you know, they've got a great defense. You know, they've got guys on on the defense side of the ball that can ball. Uh, Chase Young, uh, the the most notable. They got some guys on the back end that play really well. Uh, they just play great as a unit. They've got Terry McLaurin there. They've got Antonio Gibson. They've got weapons. Uh, Logan Thomas at, at tight end. So they're just missing that. They're, they're just missing that uh, signal caller guy. Uh, Miami got a lot of weapons. Got an underachieving quarterback that could improve. But they had that. You know, they've got a lot of draft capital that they can that they can part ways with. So they've got the room. A uh, team like the Jaguars could possibly. Get a Deshaun Watson. You know, I don't know that they do that, but they have the draft capital and they have the cap space to be able to take on his contract, move off the first pick, get a guy like Deshaun Watson in the house, and and go with a proven guy. I, I don't know. I don't know if you do that. I, I don't know if you just go ahead and draft Trevor Lawrence and, and be done with it. Um, that's probably what I would do, but they have the capability of doing that. Atlanta could possibly get in on that trade market. I don't know. That would be. He's a he's an Atlanta kid, grew up in Gainesville, played for the uh, the Red Devils at, at Gainesville High School. Um, 
So a lot of things, a lot of things in play here, Craig, uh, in, in the quarterback market. But you, you guys, you know, I'm going to watch Dan Campbell uh, with the skeptical eye. You guys have sold me from not completely disliking that hire. Uh, my favorite hire of this cycle is probably the Jets, uh, Robert Sala, uh, followed by the Falcons hiring uh, Arthur Smith, and everybody else is just kind of meh. You know, I, I don't know that the Chargers really, when they lost out on Urban Meyer, I feel like they panicked and hired uh, just a guy down the road. Uh, will he be good? I don't know. Will he be bad? I don't know. Who knows? Uh, will any of these guys be good? I, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, that's, if they're not, two years, two years later, dump them. So, uh, any, any last thoughts as we go? Charles Huff uh, from the Alabama staff is, is hired to replace Doc Holliday. Um, so, what, what do you guys think about that? Great move for him. And uh, Charlton Warren, defensive backs coach at University of Georgia, will be uh, Tom Allen's new defensive coordinator at Indiana University. So a couple, couple of moves, a couple of smaller moves in the world of college football uh, to, to end the show on. Well, just a couple just to piggyback off you, uh, uh, Corey. It's uh, NFL Network is reporting that LSU is set to hire New Orleans defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen as its next D.C. He coached Ojo at, uh, at Ole Miss. Uh, also, Kurt, note of you, uh, uh, it appears that uh, Yahoo Sports reporting that uh, Clark Lee is going to hire Baltimore Ravens defensive back coach Jesse Minter as his Love defensive that. coordinator. Love that. Uh, he was previously with uh, Georgia State and Indiana State as D.C. Uh, he's the son of former Cincinnati coach Rick Minter. So – uh, news on West End, and then finally Alabama. A couple of guys' names that are coming up here for the offensive line coach uh, coaching position: Jeff Stoutland, who was the Eagles' offensive line coach, and then Doug Marone, uh, who's been an offensive line coach at uh, in his college career, also a tight ends coach at Georgia Tech, Georgia, and Tennessee. Of course, previously the Jags head coach pulled off one of the greatest tanks ever. Uh, made it seem like uh, made it seem like they were playing hard, but made some personnel decisions that made it seem obvious that they were tanking as well. Uh, did a good job of building the roster, I thought. Uh, they have some really good pieces uh, for for Urban Meyer. So, uh, guy, guy's not a bad coach, man. Um, he is, uh, but he's coming in. Uh, he's checking into the to the Nick Saban academy. So I, I would love that hire if they if, if he ends up being an offensive line coach there. You got a guy with NFL head coaching experience. I mean Rich keep getting richer guys. Um well, also I was gonna say too, uh he and, and Bill O'Brien are, are really good friends. So Well there uh, you go. Hug there also. There you go. There you go. Alabama staff just keep getting more intriguing. I might just have just to see all the personalities, I might just have to take a trip to Tuscaloosa. But um so, guys, uh, that's going to do it for us here on, on the Coaching Chatter. Uh, this is, again, uh, the UT extravaganza. I emphasize the word extravaganza because this is a little bit longer of a show. So if you're driving somewhere uh, and, and want to invest some time uh, in this program, please please do so. want to thank our sponsor, the hometown team, hometown615.com, Kenny Salas, uh, a, a true champion in, in the game of realty here in Middle Tennessee. Contact him if you have any realty needs in uh, Wilson County especially. So I want to thank him. I want to thank our guest, Joshua Fisher, from the Charity Stripe and also a lead producer here at Believe. 
was was the guy that got us on board. So we uh, we thank him, and uh, he had a lot of great insight on uh, Steve Sarkeesian uh, and the, and the and the hire over there, and and, and also uh, some good insight. He's a Patriots fan, so he had some good good things to say about uh, about the Jets. So I want to thank him, and of course, want to thank you two for for joining me here on the chatter. Uh, it's been a great show. Uh, it's going to continue to unfold. Uh, when we join you next, we will t- we will hopefully be talking about uh, UT some more, who they hire uh, as AD and head coach. Maybe they'll make a decision by then. Who knows? Uh, things move a lot quicker than they used to. Also, we'll be talking about uh, the Texans and the Eagles. Surely they'll come to a decision here pretty soon, uh, who they hire. And then, of course, we'll break down the assistants and things like that. And we'll start giving you, uh, giving you some things to look forward to. Uh, it, and uh, there's something called the Super Bowl. We'll probably uh, probably talk about that a little bit as well. Um, and then uh, SCS football is right around the corner. All right, so get excited. But uh, this is the coaching chatter for Kurt and Craig. I'm Corey Burt. I want to thank you for listening. Have a great weekend. And uh, the home team, we out. All right, guys. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.